Hi, I'm Susie Garden, naturopath and nutritionist, yoga and meditation instructor. Welcome to the Wellness Glow podcast for women who want inspiring and practical solutions to feel abundant energy and vitality on the inside and look radiantly healthy on the outside. Each week, I talk all things gut health and mind-body connection. If you want to find out more about me, check me out at susiegarden.com. Welcome to the show. This week, I'm talking about food allergies and intolerances as part two of my two-part series on allergies. If you missed part one, which was two weeks ago, I talked about allergies such as hay fever and asthma and how they link into gut health. And this week, it's all about these food intolerances that just seem to be so prevalent these days. And I actually had a look up at some of the statistics and it's about 20% of adults in Western countries have food intolerances. And if you look at true food allergy, it's about 25% of kids, one in four, which is just crazy. And 10% of adults have a true food allergy. So I guess I wanted to talk about firstly the difference between a true food allergy and a food intolerance. And essentially the difference between these two are that they are actually different immune responses in the body. So with food allergies, usually the reaction is to the protein component in the food. And the most common types of food allergies that you'll see are actually dairy, uh, egg, uh, shellfish and fish, sesame, nuts and soy. And some of you might be surprised I didn't actually have gluten in there. Uh, That comes under uh, food intolerances, which I'll get to in a minute. But these these food allergies can uh, range from just uh, like having a rash or itching or eczema, um, can lead to an asthma attack, can lead to diarrhea, vomiting. It's actually quite a varied response that you can get to these allergens and Sometimes this can actually lead to anaphylaxis, which is an, a life-threatening allergy where the throat starts swelling up and, cl- and closing over, and that's a medical emergency. And generally, people will know if they have that, and they should be carrying an EpiPen with them at all times so that they can address that reaction. Because unfortunately, many of those um, allergens I listed are present in really trace amounts in many, many foods, particularly if you're looking at restaurants and cafes and commercial kitchens. It's just the way that they work, that the surfaces will often have traces of these allergens. And sometimes for some people, they only need a trace to have a massive allergic response. And, you know, whether that is a response such as a skin reaction or really um, explosive diarrhea or vomiting, that potential for that anaphylaxis is obviously what you're wanting to avoid. Now, there are also other foods still under the banner of food allergies. There are some foods that commonly cause certain reactions that are kind of what we'd call, I guess, predictable reactions. So, for example, itching of the skin most likely happens with things like peanuts and eggs and food additives like your numbers that are added to foods if you're reading your ingredient labels, um, milk and even cod. Um, Whereas eczema is actually more likely to be milk, eggs, wheat and soy. So 
it's interesting. You can almost start to identify what the allergen is simply by what part of the body is being affected and what kind of symptom that is. An itch versus a rash, for example, can help you start to identify what might be causing your allergic response. Now, interestingly, with uh, these allergic responses, there's probably two primary causes of these. Now, number one is genetics. And unfortunately, there's not a lot you can do about that. Um, There are certain food allergies that do run in families. So if you know, for example, that, that there's certain food allergies run in your family and then you start to react, then it's likely to be the same sort of thing. But the other uh, cause of these allergic reactions is increased intestinal permeability or leaky gut syndrome, which I talked about a few weeks ago. So please, if you're not quite sure what I'm talking about here, go back to episode six on leaky gut syndrome, where I talked about how what that is all about and how that works. And that will give you a really good background to continue on with this episode. So if you have increased intestinal permeability, this allows potential allergens to pass through the intestinal wall. So if you recall, when we have this increased intestinal permeability, larger particles can get through the intestinal wall than are supposed to be and to be able to. So when we have this problem, it makes us more likely to have allergic reactions to foods because these uh, allergens are getting into the bloodstream and then the immune system goes, whoa, this is not supposed to be here. And so goes into protection mode and gets tries to get rid of the problem, but in fact causes this reaction that I've just described with all of these symptoms. So the good news with that is that there are quite a few things you can do to improve the health of the gut wall Those things include the use of certain nutrients that help to fuel the intestinal cells, help them to heal. There are soothing botanicals that you can take that will help to soothe the gut and heal it. And of course, the really important thing is to actually identify those allergens. Before I get to that part, I just wanted to talk about food intolerances as well. So food intolerances are a little different in that They are often reactions to the carbohydrate or sugar in the food rather than the protein. So for example, lactose intolerance, which affects about 20% of the population, is often due to a lack of the lactase enzyme that breaks it down. And in fact, after the age of about two, um, we tend to stop producing it because we don't really need it. And fructose intolerance, that actually affects about 30% of the population, which is really surprising because you hear so much more about lactose intolerance. And I suspect that's because there are, it's a very specific, you know, industry, it's the dairy industry, and they have modified their products to allow for that. The situation is for those of you that that have self-identified being allergic to dairy and think that you're lactose intolerant, sometimes it can actually be the casein which is the protein component of dairy. So you do need to kind of look at what element in dairy or or avoid dairy altogether and just make sure you're getting your calcium from other sources. And there are plenty of other sources you can get that from. 
Getting back to fructose intolerance, yeah, one in three people, which is really surprising. And the thing is with fructose, it's in our fruits and vegetables and different people react in different degrees to different fruits and vegetables. So it can be quite complicated. And of course, there's also gluten intolerance. And when I talk about gluten intolerance, I'm not talking about celiac disease. That's a completely other category. But gluten intolerance also can affect quite a few people. And often one of the first things that will happen if you go and see a nutritionist or a naturopath with suspected food intolerances, they'll often say to you, well, go off dairy and or gluten for two weeks and just observe of you know what's going on in your body, what your symptoms are if you have symptoms if you don't have symptoms and then normally we would introduce one of those back either uh, gluten or dairy back in and just see if there's a reaction if there's no reaction then let's introduce the other back in and that can help with identifying gluten or lactose intolerance, I do strongly urge you not to eliminate gluten from your diet. If there's a possibility you may have celiac disease and you get tested first, because once you go off gluten, if you haven't been tested already, if you want to be tested, you'll have to go back on gluten for at least six weeks before you can get properly tested. And it can be very, very hard to do once you've eliminated it. So I'd really strongly advise that you have a discussion with a healthcare professional about that before you just take yourself off gluten if there is a possibility that you have celiac disease. So the kind of testing that can be done, there's skin prick testing where uh, pretty much you get your whole forearm uh, with little skin uh, needle pricks. It's not painful really. It's, I've had that done before quite a few years ago. It's unfortunately not always sensitive enough for food intolerances. Sometimes it can be, depending on how reactive you are. There are also breath tests that can be done and that can help identify lactose and fructose intolerance. And also you can get tested for intestinal hyperpermeability. So that can also be really helpful in uh, identifying not so much what you're allergic to, but if you have that increased permeability in the bowel, which we know will lead to the signs and symptoms of food allergy or sometimes food intolerance as well. And then once you know what you're intolerant or allergic to, elimination, of course, of that from your diet. But don't despair. In a lot of cases, after bowel healing is done, and I generally allow at least sort of six to eight weeks depending on the person, complete elimination of that element from the diet, and then very slowly bringing it back in. And when you do that elimination and you put in the gut healing protocol at the same time, that can really increase your chances of being able to include that food in your diet again, which is fantastic. Of course, there are many cases where that is not the case. So because there's a genetic issue at play, which we need to take into account. But also if you have anaphylaxis, then I don't recommend re-challenging. Anything like that would need to be done under very, very strict supervision. Uh, so make sure this is, this is not specific advice for any individual. This is very general for anyone that thinks they might be having a bit of an intolerance. And I just want to let you know too, actually this week I've launched a gut health quiz on my website, suzygarden.com, that 
anyone can have a go at and just see if there is anything that's coming up for you that might be indicating that your gut health isn't optimal. I hope you've enjoyed the content today. Very soon we'll be having our Q&A episode for May. So if you've got any questions, please message me through social media and I would love to hear from you and help you out with any questions that you might have. Also, as always, I'll ask if you could please leave me a review if you're enjoying this content. That would be so helpful for me and subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss out on any episodes. Thanks so much for joining me on The Wellness Glow. I loved having you here. See you again next week. Until then, take care and be well.